You're listening to the Thousand Hills Podcast. Today we'll be continuing our study through the book of Galatians in Galatians chapter 5 as we read about the freedom that Christians experience through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 7. Paul speaks in this manner to the Galatians when he says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? In verse 8. What kind of persuasion, I'm sorry, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Again, this is the other side of the topic, him talking and working in love through faith to other Christians who have found themselves off track. Notice how gently he instructs them. He's not spraying the gravity or importance of the situation, but he's also not, you know, like Homer Simpson with his kid, like wringing their necks. He's trying to have that relationship and to have a conversation with them. He tells them, I watched you start your race by firing off the line and you took off so well. So now why have you begun to slow? He's telling them to look at what this works-based faith, this being good enough in your actions is producing in them. It hasn't even taken full hold or convinced all of them and yet it's already affecting every church in this region. Look at verse 9. He gives a good illustration. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. This is why I was looking at bread. I, <laughs> I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. I'm sorry. Yeah, that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever they may be, will have to pay the penalty. Paul uses this illustration of bread because it's a really, really good illustration. Here's why. Paul is telling them that if you've ever baked bread, you know that there's a huge lump of dough that you start with and you only need a tiny bit of yeast to cause this bread to change from coming out looking like a pizza crust to a fluffy loaf. You don't have to measure out five pounds of dough, five pounds of yeast. Oftentimes a little pinch, right? Why? Because yeast has a culture. It's active. In other words, once it is mixed in with the dough really well, you can't unmix it, and it actively changes everything about that lump of dough to come out looking fluffy and appealing. If you did not, you would end up with this. This pita-looking flatbread. This tortilla. Right? He is telling them that if you allow even just a little bit of this works based being good enough faith to sink into your heart, it's going to change everything about how you see God and how you read the Bible. Because if you have to work to be good enough, and even if you feel like I'm doing a great job at it, how do you look at others now? Through the same standard of, are they good enough? I don't know, they missed church last week. Are they good enough? They listened to Kanye West. Are they good enough? Add in the blank. All of a sudden, now you're really critical of the people around you. All of a sudden, rather than going, how can I serve and love them? How can I help them move ahead? How can I help minister them? Even if it's just friendship, do they need a friend? You start to go, I don't know if they're good enough to be around me. Or they're broken right here. They should really fix that. (laughs) We don't actually act like how God intended us to because we don't look at God the way he actually is. 
So we start to copy and act like a God who is not really there. We start to act like a God obsessed with how you look, act, speak, smell. Richie, I see you dozing off. (laughs) Resting your eyes. Instead of somebody who doesn't care how many times you've messed up or how small and junky your army is, Gideon, he loves you and will be alongside you. So in other words, if they mix in this little bit of yeast, if they mix in this little bit of bad doctrine, number one, it's going to change the outcome of their Christianity, the way they treat people and the way they look, the way they interact with God, the way they read their Bible. But number two, once you've mixed in yeast, can you unmix it? No. You have to start over. Do you know what white paint and black paint become when you mix them together? Gray paint. Can you take the black out of the white paint or the white out of the black paint? No. It's gray paint now. He's saying that if you allow yourselves to buy this and allow it into your churches and into your life, you're going to have to burn it all down and start over. So you started well but you're slowing down in your race and slowing down in your race. And if you come to a total stop, you will have to restart that race because you will have, number one, eaten each other alive by trying to make sure everyone's good enough. Number two, you will have to heal from all the self-inflicted wounds that you've given yourself thinking that God is out to get you. And number three, you will have torched every person in your life who doesn't believe in God and shown them that they want no part of this. You will need to start over. This is also a really good picture because much like that fluffy loaf, this loaf goes from flat to that with a little bit of yeast. When we see people who are convinced that they're good enough through their works, they also get puffed up with pride. They go from someone who is lowly and humble before God to someone who thinks they are this nice fluffy loaf of bread that everybody wants, that everyone should aspire to be. And this is proof to me that God prefers tortillas. Amen. Let's go to verse 11. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, then why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross should have been abolished. Verse 12. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. We're going to get into that last little spicy bit. But... Paul reminds us that if we allow workspace faith to become our faith, then we aren't really all that offensive to the world, right? Do you know anybody who actually really hates a JW or a Mormon? Usually they're like, stop knocking on my door. But that's about it. I don't know anybody who's like really offended. They're like, how dare they ride their little bicycles around town? How could they? I don't know anybody who's like, they're too well-dressed. Get out. It's not offensive because everybody's trying to be good enough, so it's not different. It's exactly the same as everyone else. Get a good enough grade? Just be nice enough. Right? Dress well enough to get the job? Well, just dress well enough with a tie to go walk the streets and look the part. It's inoffensive to tell people to simply be nice. But when you tell someone to be truly loving, that means that we will not simply look out for our own good and our own salvation, but we will actively try to save others. And that means that we become a bit of a nuisance because we actually care. Something that's a dirty little secret within those other churches is the fact that they have to fulfill a certain amount of community hours to go to heaven in their religions. In other words, they're not knocking on that door because they care. They're knocking on that door because it helps them to fill their time card. 
Now, I do know some people who are breaking those rules and actually break their own church's rules, and they're really phenomenal people. We actually have a family friend that's Mormon, and she's just great. We love her to death. And she genuinely cares. But oftentimes, a lot of these people are more than happy to do things like lawn work. I know people that will invite them to come in and they knock on the door. I'm like, yeah, come on, tell me all about this while you mow the lawn. And they mow the lawn. And the person's like, yeah, uh-huh, keep going. Get that last line. And the people don't care because they're filling their time. Technically, that's like, Psh, yep, you, good job. They really don't care. Christians aren't the same way. We're not supposed to be. We're like, yeah, I'll help you with your lawn work, but... I care about you, so this is more than just your weeds and dandelions and flower beds, right? It means that we're not just going to go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, here's what I have to say. Take this brochure, peace. We might actually try to say, well, how can I pray for you? And that leaves them vulnerable. That leaves them in a position where it's like, shoot, I didn't want to talk about this. And therefore, it becomes offensive. Paul's saying that if I was simply doing the same thing the rest of the world was doing, then of course this wouldn't be offensive. But because it's different, it makes people uncomfortable. Because it's different, it causes people to go, ah, it's a little vulnerable for me. It changes the game. Now, the second half is something that I find absurdly funny, and it's a bit brutal. It's verse <laughs> 12. Let's bring that up real quick. Now, this whole time, Paul's been talking about circumcision. Just want to make sure, do we all know what circumcision is? You're new, I have to ask. You do know what it is. Awesome. Red, I assume. <laughs> I'm joking. So, this whole time, they've been telling Christians, you're not good enough unless you snip a little part of your pee-pee. <laughs> that is the difference between whether or not you can be saved. Like those churches that kick people out if they don't have ties. <laughs> yeah, that's that piece of cloth. That's what connects me to God. Good job, buddy. You nailed it. So when we read this, as for these adjectives, if people telling people they have to snip their pee-pee to be good enough, I wish they'd just go the whole way and emasculate themselves. That means to take the whole thing off. That means all your junk is gone, gentlemen. You are not only a eunuch, you are eunuch plus. You are missing everything fun down there. And what he's trying to say is if this was true, and if this was right, why take a chance? If a little pee-pee snip is... What about the whole thing? I mean, think of how holy you would be at that point, right? He's saying, I believe my gospel enough to leave my family, leave my home, leave my money, everything behind, and to go try to minister to these people who hate me, try to kill me, kick me out of the city's office. I'd go the extra mile. So if you're right, well then, I mean, wouldn't you go the extra mile? I just see this as really, really funny because he's just such a jerk about it. And I love doing the same thing to other Christians that are just convinced they're way better than everyone else. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that's so great. And I love being sarcastic with them. I love trying to just jerk them around a little. And I see the same thing in Paul, so I feel much better about my actions. Because sometimes I'm like, dude, I'm out of control. I'm veering off the tracks. And then I see something like that in the Bible. I'm like, no, oh, maybe I can go a little further. I don't know. Paul is not a halfway dude. He is a brutal <laughs> towards people who think they're good enough, dude. And Jesus was too. And we see that in the New Testament. Who does he pick on? Who does he fight with? It's not the prostitutes or tax collectors. It's not the woman at the well who's chronically hoeing herself out. It's the Pharisees. It's the people telling other people, be better like us. It's the people saying, you're not good enough for God to love you, but I am. Jesus takes issue with those people who measure others on good enough and are convinced that they are. 
So Paul, following in his footsteps, when he sees people saying they're good enough because of a little pee-pee snip, he says, go the whole way. And I love that. I hope that that's our Christianity. I hope that we have mercy and love in our hearts for those who are genuinely trying, those who are hurting, that we have patience for those who just need someone to cry with. I hope that we have love in our hearts for them. And I hope that we cannot stand those people who would kick them while they're down. I hope that we would be active defenders of those seeking truth and active defenders of those who are, like I said, just looking for some form of help and that we would stand up for them when others try to attack them. Verse 13 says this, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. What is our calling to use our freedom not to serve ourselves, not to indulge in sin. He's not saying you're free to just do whatever you want, so therefore, go robbing banks, kicking puppies, and shooting people. He's saying use that freedom that you have to love other people and to serve them humbly. In other words, if I have tattoos, guess who I'm really good at talking to? People with tattoos. You know how many stories I've heard of people who weren't allowed to attend a church because they have a tattoo? Or how many people have been stared at and just like, because they have a tattoo? Then they get to walk into a church where there's a pastor on stage with a tattoo. He's like, sup? It makes a huge difference. I've used my freedom, my liberty here, to try to minister to people with the same thing. To try to meet them where they are and to love them. We have freedom to listen to certain kinds of music. And guess what that means? It means we can talk to those people who are fans of these artists and relate to them and enjoy what they enjoy. I cannot tell you how many times I've had a good conversation with someone because they are also a football fan of the Rams or the Dodgers, the baseball team, or the Lakers, the basketball team. I've been like, man, I hate the Celtics. So like, dude, me too. And we're besties. And now we can talk about, what's up, bro? Talk about how their day was. Talk about what's going on in their lives. Get to pray for them. I remember a dude who's just happy because the Rams lost to the 49ers, our arch nemesis. And I was sitting there talking to my brother, like, man, I hate these guys. They suck. The rest cheated. <laughs> and my brother doesn't care. He's not a football fan. He's like, yeah, whatever, dude. And this dude came over, he's like, right, right. And then he sat down, we had this full conversation. He's like, dude, thank you. I, I just needed to talk about this stuff. The only reason he had trust, the only reason we connected, the only reason we got to talk was because I don't think God's like, don't watch football, sinner. Go knock on doors. I think God's okay if I watch football. I think God's okay if I listen to Kanye West. He's not gonna be like, what? He said bad words. I think he's okay if I'm sitting there like, okay, look, it's not about that. It's about more of the music. But at the same time, I can talk to this other person and be like, dude, yeah, I really appreciate that. And you know his song, Jesus Walks? And then right there's the gospel message. I get to actually relate and share with them something. I love that I can sit down with someone and enjoy something that they're enjoying and just be there with them. Imagine if someone was like, hey, I, I want someone to sit down and just talk with. And they turn on Kanye West, like low in the background, like, ah, and run out of the front door because, I, no, Kanye West is sin. I couldn't do any good for these people, and that's the point. Don't use your freedoms to simply go robbing banks and kicking puppies. Use it tactfully to serve one another, to serve others humbly in that love, to meet them where they are, 
Not to say you're not good enough because you listen to Kanye West or waste time watching sports, but to say, I value what you value and I value you. How can I serve you? That makes a bigger difference in more lives than anything else. Amen? We're going to get into next week what our freedoms should be used for and how they should manifest themselves in our lives and what a Christian should look like with those liberties because there's a gambit. And in reality, Christians don't all look the same. Praise God. Or at least they shouldn't. Some people think that, you know, every person in church needs to look exactly the same, sound exactly the same, all that good stuff. And in reality, that would be so boring if it was true. Our churches are much stronger for having people that are very different, short and redheaded, with multiple children, corgi owners. Makes life good. Makes the church robust. Means that God can use us to do a lot of different things and to love a lot of different kinds of people. But we don't want to cross over that line into kicking puppies and robbing banks. So, we're going to talk all about that next week. I look forward to sharing that with you guys. Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to listen to more messages like this, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes by searching for Thousand Hills Podcast. Thank you for listening to and supporting this ministry of Thousand Hills Church.